Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The magic of awareness. Since I'm going to be sharing the uh, the day with uh, Anam Tuptin Rinpoche, and I, I've been bringing this book in uh, just to show, I think I read from it last week. It's a really great, excellent book, Magic of Awareness by Anam Tuptin. Um, and so um, it's kind of Tibetan flavor uh, in my mind and in my heart. Uh, how many people have done any Tibetan practices here? A few? Okay, good. Um, I started actually my Dharma, Buddha Dharma journey uh, in uh, Tibetan, with Tibetan teachings. It was in uh, 1974 when. Um, Naropa Institute, which is now Naropa University, first opened, and I went out there to um, uh, to be there the summer that it first opened. Ramdas was there. I've mentioned many times about how he first so inspired me through "Be Here Now," and I just wanted to hang out with um, hearing him. And he's coming from a more of a Hindu uh, perspective, um, but. The Naropa is this Buddhist, in those days, it was like a Buddhist summer camp, uh, the most amazing spiritual summer camp uh, that I could have imagined. Jack Cornfield and Joseph Goldstein were there that first summer, and for the first five summers, I went back each summer uh, to, um, to take teachings with, with them, with Joseph mostly, and uh, with... Uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, who is this pretty amazing being, mind-blowing being in every sense, crazy wisdom teacher, uh, who often had me scratching my head saying, what is he not only talking about, but what is he all about? Uh, Because he broke every image of what you could imagine as a, a realized uh, Dharma master. He was a crazy from the crazy wisdom lineage. Uh, and anyway, he um, that first summer he happened to start out, which he later had second thoughts on, with the highest teachings of Tibetan practices. And I'd go to these lectures. He'd give three talks a week. Uh, packed like 1,500 people in this huge um, kind of hangar, uh, like an airplane hangar kind of a thing, of a huge structure. And about 90% of what he said, I had no idea. It was just going over my head. But almost every single time, he'd say something that just hit me deeply in my heart and reverberated. And still, I quote him, uh, one of the most quotable teachers around. Here's one, and what that's just floating through my mind now as I'm talking, 
Um, and this might be a classical image, but um, samsara, enjoying samsara, is like licking honey from a razor blade. <laughs> mm. Came out with loads of those. Mm. Um, and, and one of the things around, about Tibetan, that might stay in your mind for the rest of the evening here. Hopefully we'll get something else uh, in there. Sorry about that. But mm. uh, Tibetan practices are rooted in the same, um, the same teachings as we share here in its Spirit Rock, Theravadan practices, the, the teachings of the Buddha, uh, of being present for your life, waking up through from the illusion of self, this constructed sense of self. But Tibetan practices and Tibetan ex- the expression of Tibetan Buddhism, if you're not familiar with it, is um, full of uh, flowery imaging, uh, iconography. You, I'm sure you've seen Tibetan tankas, um, and uh, when when Buddhism went, came to Tibet, there was also already this religion, the Bon religion, which had lots of uh, deities and um, uh, shamanic uh, kinds of symbolism. And when it m- married uh, that Bon religion, it took on that whole flavor of very, very rich iconography and imaging that was, instead of praying to deities out there, the deities are just all manifestations of mind, uh, brilliant teachings that come down to essentially the same thing, but with a very different flavor. Mm. So I wanted to... um, share with you, um, it was, it's actually a follow-up uh, for those who were here last week. How many people were here last week? Okay, and remember, I talked about um, the freedom that's available to you in every moment. That is just waking up from, remember that word, the proliferation, what is it? Papancha, Remember? Papancha, if you aren't here or don't know that word, papancha is uh, the word that describes the proliferation of mind to create worlds and galaxies from one thought. You hear a song and it reminds you of being back in high school and there you are to your great crush and the all the, the craziness and intensity that happened over that, and you're gone in very short order. One thought triggers another, and a whole proliferation of thoughts, papancha. So I wanted to um, follow up with some beautiful uh, teachings that um, pierce this papancha and that point to the nature of mind, the awareness that's here in every moment that you're not constructing this mental fabrication of uh, reality that most of us live in most of the time. So, I've, And this uh, 
this collection, this is called Flight of the Garuda um, by, um, by a, a Tibetan renunciate who walked the land uh, as an ascetic in Tibet, uh, I think the end of uh, uh, mid-19th century or uh, towards the end of the 19th century, Lama Shabkar, Jatang Tsodendruk Rangdrul. And he wrote these... Um, these songs, these Dharma songs that have been uh, put into a collection called The Flight of the Garuda. Uh, and this, by the way, this particular copy was given to me by Sokni Rinpoche, who is a, a really fine, wonderful uh, Tibetan uh, master who I got, I've gotten to know, as he said, Here's some really good teachings for you. And I have been moved by them. So this is, there are a number of these songs. How many all together? Well, the first collection, there are 23 songs. And then there's a whole other collection, Union of Mahamudra and Dzogchen. But I'll read from the first collection, the Flight of the Garuda collection. So here's the the first song. I'll read some, and then we can hang out with it and see if, how, how it hits you. It starts out, all of these songs start out with the word emaho. E-M-A-H-O, exclamation mark. Emaho. And that is a word that means how amazing a little bit different from the Theravadan flavor of just Anicca Vata Sankara, you know, which is, has its beauty and depth, but this is Emaho. This is going to blow your mind, right? <clears throat> how amazing or how marvelous. Emaho. I, the untroubled and carefree renunciate, will now sing this song about the view. The view is a a phrase that means the enlightened perspective. Entitled, The Flight of the Garuda. And I'll just pause here and just explain. Garuda is a bird, the Garuda bird, that that symbolizes enlightenment with two wings. One wing is wisdom, one wing is compassion, and they have to both be in balance in order for there to be a a real free mind and heart. I will now sing the song about the view entitled The Flight of the Garuda. It enables one to swiftly traverse all the levels and paths Listen carefully, fortunate children of my heart. Isn't that, it's like you're, oh, some milk and cookies and we're going to get tucked into bed. Listen carefully, fortunate children of my heart. In both samsara, and don't worry about not knowing all the terms, but uh, you'll, I think you'll get the gist of it. In both samsara and nirvana, the renown 
of the enlightened state is widely heard like thunder throughout the sky. As this always remains within the minds of beings of the six realms, how amazing that one is never separate from it for even an instant. Not knowing this state is within oneself. How amazing that one searches for it elsewhere. Although it is clearly manifest like the radiant disk of the sun, how amazing that so few see it. Having no father and mother, one's mind is the true Buddha. How amazing that it knows neither birth nor death. No matter how much happiness and sorrow is experienced, how amazing that it is never impaired or improved even in the slightest. And then this last verse. How amazing that without being fabricated, this mind, which is unborn and primordially pure, is spontaneously present from the beginning. This self-awareness is naturally free from the very first. How amazing that it is liberated by just resting at ease in whatever happens. Make sense? Maybe. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. But how amazing that one is, as this mind remains within the minds of the beings of the six realms, how amazing that one is never separate from it for even an instant, not knowing that this state is within oneself. How amazing that one searches for it elsewhere. So, maybe before I go on and share any thoughts I might have, um, how does that strike you? What, what, what's it like hearing those words? How does it touch you? Or not? Okay, good. It's a little hard to understand, to be honest. Okay, all right. Yes, Jackie, did you want to say something? I wanted to say without having clear cognitive understanding of it, and yet I felt like an inner uplifting while listening. You felt an inner uplifting while listening. Okay. Yeah, I, I certainly don't want it to be, uh, I don't want to lose you for right away. So um, 
Wait, here's something. Ricardo, if you could pass back up uh, your hand. Yeah, Odella, and then behind you. <clears throat> I, uh, I actually went to a retreat this weekend, and we were talking about what, what we can do in difficult situations. And while I was sitting there, I had an insight that was, um, we have access to inner peace and wisdom at every moment. And that totally resonated with me. That, that felt like exactly what, what was being said there, that we have access to inner peace and wisdom at every moment. Makes sense. She said it. That's it. Where is that? Oh, wait. Did you, and behind you, did you want to say something? Uh, oh, I thought, I thought behind Della. Did you have your hand up before? No? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, when you take refuge, oh, there's back there. When you take refuge, you know, at the end of the, the, um, uh, the, the sitting when we chant and we take refuge in the Buddha, uh, Buddhang Saranang Gachami, I take refuge in the Buddha, uh, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha, and then for the second time and the third time, I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Buddha is not some human being that lived 25, 2600 years ago. As inspiring as he was, he's not here to protect you. He's, as we said last week, the word Buddha means being awake. And that capacity, when you're taking refuge in the Buddha, you're taking refuge in the peace that's available at any moment. The, the, what is it? The peace that surpasseth understanding or the kingdom of heaven within you. It's right here in you. And where he says, we, knowing, not knowing that is within yourself. How amazing that one searches for it elsewhere. Make sense? So we're, we're looking... Uh, we're looking for freedom in all the wrong places, as the, the song says, or something like that. Yeah. So, yes, do you have a... Well, I was just going to say what... You just, you just uh, by quoting that passage, what struck me was that the enlightened state is amazing, and it's amazing how hard it is for us to get there in a way that that there's it's amazing that we look elsewhere right yeah there's something really remarkable about that too mm-hmm. that uh, there's a that that stri- is in the in the balance in the balance mm-hmm. in, in that passage and as you said it's it seems so hard for us to get there and it, even having the idea oh when i get there It'll be so wonderful. In that moment that the mind says, I have to get somewhere, you're looking for it elsewhere. And so you will never find it if you're looking, if you're looking for how can I get there when actually it's not only here, but it's who you are. It's what's doing the looking. It's what's doing the looking. 
It's like um, uh, trying to see your eyes. Can you see your eyes if you don't look in a mirror? And if you can, you not the reflection of your eyes. You can see your hand. You can uh, see the bell. You can you can see actually anything but your eyes. How can you see your eyes? Because your eyes can't see themselves. But you know that you have eyes, and you know if you stop trying to see them, you can sense that you have them. So it's this great paradox. Okay, with me, any, anything before we move on? Okay, so how amazing... And now, talking a little bit about this quality of mind or the awareness that is the mind, the, the magic of awareness. Mm. This one. Emaho. Listen again with respect, fortunate children. Mind like empty space, has no concreteness. To see whether or not this is so, my fortunate children, look directly at your mind in the manner of not watching anything. Let go completely, and then you will know. It is certain that without being just an empty and blank nothingness, this self-aware wisdom is surely primordially cognizant. That is, it can know. There is a knowing quality to the mind. Let me see if I pass on. It is certain that thoughts and reflections are intangible. Their movements are uncertain as the wind in the sky. All thoughts and reflections that come out of this mind. To see whether or not this is so, look directly at your mind and then let go completely and you'll know. It is certain whatever appears is self-display. All phenomena are like images in a mirror. To see whether or not this is so, look directly at your mind and let go completely. Then you will know. I'll read a little bit more on this. Look again and again. Look at your own mind. Send your mind into the external expanse of sky. Observe whether or not it comes or goes. If the mind, when observed, neither comes nor goes, then look inside towards your mind and observe whether or not there is someone causing thoughts to arise. Are you causing your thoughts to arise? Now, you can, have, you can say, I'm going to think about so-and-so, but do you make most of those thoughts come through your mind? 
No, if only you could stop them. Right? They're just happening on their own. So he says, look inside and observe whether or not there is someone causing thoughts to arise. If there is no agent who makes the movement of thoughts, observe then whether or not the mind has color or shape. When you arrive at an emptiness free from color or shape, observe then whether or not it has a center or a fringe. When you see there is neither center nor fringe, then observe whether or not there is an inside or an outside. This awareness, free from an inside or an outside, is open like sky. It is penetrating wakefulness, free from limitations and partiality, within the vast and open space of this all-embracing mind, all phenomena of samsara and nirvana manifest like rainbows in the sky. Although they appear in manifold ways, they are nothing other than the display of mind itself. Okay, that might be a lot to chew on. What does that mean to you? Anybody want to see if you can put it in understandable words? It's not a test and you can't go wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll share my thoughts, but just see if it strikes you. It might be a little bit like listening to, well, it is like listening to poetry, Dharma poetry, uh, you know, like listening to an old Bob Dylan song. You can't dissect it one, one word after another. You just kind of let it touch you and see what comes out. Anything that comes from that. Read a, just a little bit again. It says, uh, where did I read this one? Oh, yeah. Look inside towards your own, towards your mind and observe whether or not there's someone causing thoughts to arise. If there's no agent who makes the movement of thoughts, observe whether or not the mind has color or shape. All phenomena of samsara and nirvana manifest like rainbows in the sky, although they appear in manifold ways they're nothing other than the display of mind itself. Here, here, let me, here, wait until we get this. To... I feel a little bit like the child at Passover that doesn't know much and asks the questions. Can yeah. you remind me what samsara means? Yeah, please? samsara is, um, is and, and thank you for asking for, uh, for, uh, Anybody else is saying, gosh, I, want, I wish you'd explain that. Uh, samsara is, is spoken of as the, just the, mm, the, the, the wheel that we go round and round, this physical plane lost in thought, 
lost in our own um, uh, our own neurotic thoughts, uh, and where we're caught, where we're lost. Samsara is the this physical plane of birth and death and the wheel of going around and around, birth and death and birth and death. And nirvana is one way of saying the end of that, the, the freedom from that, enlightenment. So, anyone want to... Um, I, my personal perspective, I think this particular poem, even more than the last one, I feel is like um, the, you know, uh, that of a um, hypnotist. You can't, like somebody who hypnotized, like a hypnotist, like is supposed to do something. You know, you can't analyze this. What is that? It's supposed to. So it feels like it's, it's a very functional poem, especially if you sit and meditate. You listen to it. Something happens because the words are taking you somewhere. But you can't really analyze. Mm-hmm. I can't really analyze what he's trying to say. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Right, thank you. Yes, over here. It feels to me um, that it just reminds me of the time when during a meditation and you get to the point where the busy mind begins to go away mm-hmm. and you begin to be very quiet. And that... You put it very, close to your lips. When, when the mind is very quiet, there's, there's some kind of emptiness but yet, at that time, something arises, some information or knowledge, something like that, mm-hmm. that, that even might reflect to the, the thought of samsara comes up. Mm-hmm. And that might remind him of, of, mm-hmm. of the, the notion of samsara, which is, uh, which is maybe the beginning of the door of understanding the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Anyway, that's how it reminds me that that is the moment that you know this poem uh, brings me to that state. Mm, okay, thank you. You know, all of Buddhist uh, teachings are about removing the doer, removing me, who's making it all happen, and this is pointing to seeing through that, seeing through that creation of, I'm making my thoughts happen. I am uh, making, uh, that this world uh, is, I am an agent of this form called James. I am James and leading my life when really um, life is happening through me. So, where he says, there's no, look and see if there's an agent there. 
it's like pointing to see that life is happening through you without you making it happen. And particularly, you know, the mental fabrications of mind, like we talked about last week, that papancha, they are coming out of, where do they come out of? Where do they come from? Who knows? They just, what's called, the Tibetans call, and he says it here, the display, the magical display. The mind creates this reality, like in, uh, in the first line in the Dhammapada, we are what we think, with our thoughts we make the world. And all of those thoughts that we make seem so real. But where do they come from? Come from nowhere and return to nowhere. That's important to see. Because then you see how not only ephemeral they are, how, how empty they are. They're as empty as you see them to be or as real as you believe them to be. That's tremendously freeing when you see whatever thought comes through your mind has no more reality than, than a wisp. As Tibetans say, and I love this, this um, um, understanding, if you don't struggle with your thoughts, they self-liberate. If you don't mess around with them, they just liberate all by themselves. You ever have that experience where you're really chewing on a thought and then something distracts you and you forgot what you were thinking about? You know, 10 minutes before you were freaking out about something and then, what was it that I was freaking out about? Oh, now I remember. Oh, yeah. And then you can go back to freaking out. But... If you get distracted, they're completely empty. We don't often realize it while we're in the middle of them, but to see that, it's so freeing. So, I'm sorry, Jaime, were you going to say something? Yeah. I don't have a way to articulate it eloquently, or, but when you were talking about it before, uh, I closed my eyes and you were talking about the mind and then all of a sudden it just expanded into like a continuous outer space going bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what I felt. Yeah. And that's actually, we'll see if we have enough time. I, it's been a while. I think I've done the big mind meditation. Have I done the big mind meditation here? No. Maybe we'll, we'll do a little bit towards the end. What you're describing is uh, is is a way to access that and just seeing mind is like vast space. And sometimes it's spoken of in terms of it's like a, the big sky and everything is appearing and disappearing in that sky. It's space, 
it's empty, like where he says, can you see the mind? Does it have, can you see your mind? What does it look like? Can you see it? But you know it's there. Right? It's empty. You, you can't get a handle on this. Again, it's like the eye trying to look at itself. You know it's there. It's empty like space, but it is also awake. It's got this strange, mysterious thing called consciousness. But it's coming through you. Uh, I've shared this before. Can you uh, look at me, if your eyes are working, look at me, Try to not be aware of this form. Can you not be aware that there's somebody up here babbling away? Can you turn off your awareness? Can you stop hearing these words? Maybe they're not making sense, I understand. Can you not hear the words if your ears are working? Remember... We talked about last week the sense organ, the, the object, and the consciousness all coming together as contact. Can you not hear those words? No. You can't turn off your awareness. Try turning off your awareness. Or I could take out the word your. Try turning off awareness. Is it your awareness? If it was yours and you owned it, then you could turn it off and do its bidding. It would do your bidding. But you can't turn it off. It's just kind of, it's shining through you. Are you, are you am I making sense? I don't know. If I lose you, just kind of let it go. It's, it's shining through you, and yet you can't grasp it. You can't see it. You can't hold on to it. But you know it's there. It is, but it doesn't exist. That's a, a, a Tibetan phrase. A, a, awareness, mind is, and it doesn't, but it doesn't exist. And all these thoughts are just coming out of this mysterious thing that we call mind or consciousness or awareness. Okay, let me uh, read to you another one. Oh, yes? Sure. Wait, hang on, just... One second. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Put it next to you. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's on. I was talking to a... Uh a Christian friend of mine, a fundamentalist Christian friend of mine, and I was trying to explain in a very simple way the difference between Buddhism and Christianity. And I was trying to point out simply that Buddhism is here, whereas with Christianity you have an outside way of reaching. Okay? So when I was trying, to, we were talking about soul, and um, I said to my, I was talking to my, my friend, and I was trying to point out the mind that it's all here. And then I tried to say, well, he said, well, my soul's going to go there. And I said, well, what is your soul? And he, his soul was going to go there, but I don't think he could quite grasp the idea of this. And I said, well, what about you right here? I mean, is that the soul? Is that what's going there? Can you uh, <laughs> give me a little bit of insight on that? Because would, would, you, say that it, would you say that in Buddhism... The mind and the soul is the same thing? 
or would you say that it's 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 completely separate? Because yeah. he had this he had this concept that his soul was going to. I said, well, what happens yeah. to yeah. My, you know, my friend? I'll say his name is John. I said, well, what what happens to John? What is what is John? I mean, you're only John because your mother and father gave you the name John. I said, but right. you know, your mind is who you are. So where's the soul going? You know, I think I'd rather not go there now. This is complicated enough as it is, uh, but we can talk later on if you, if you want. You can come on up later on. Okay. So re- remember um, last week about the papancha, about um, you know the mind proliferating, and about the freedom that's available in every moment that you see through the proliferation. Well, here's. Here's one song just about this. Maybe this will make some sense to you. Emaho. How amazing. Listen once again to the song of this renunciate. He's talking about himself. Contemplate how others have inflicted harm upon you in the past. He says, think about that. How they accused you, struck you, and beat you. How you were put to shame and deeply hurt. Recollect it thoroughly in your mind and allow anger to arise. This is just a little instruction that he's saying. Let's play around with the mind. Think of somebody who's, who's really done something that has hurt you and let anger arise. Just so you've got something to play with. The moment it arises, look directly at its essence. Observe that which is angry. Where did it come from first? Where is it now? Where will it go at last? see whether or not there's a shape or a color, and so on. Observed, it is primordially empty. There's nothing there to grasp. Without abandoning anger, it is mirror-like wisdom. That is, you don't have to get rid of the anger. Just see, it arose, you thought of something, it came, and you got stirred up out of nowhere, And then, where did it come from? Where does it go? And he says, observed, without abandoning. You don't have to get rid of it. Just see how empty it is. And all of a sudden, it becomes wisdom. And then he goes on. Imagine in your mind, this is the second one. Imagine in your mind, with vivid detail, a woman or a man of captivating beauty. It's getting interesting. Okay. Let it come into your mind. Whatever you desire to eat, such as meat and so forth, whatever you like to wear, such as clothes, whatever you may long for, such as horses and cattle, reflect on these. Have you wanted some horses or cattle today? Reflect on these and allow desire to arise. He's saying, let's play with desire. Okay, you looked at anger. Now let's look at desire. Just think of something that really turns you on and let desire arise. Ooh, 
the moment it arises, look directly at its essence. Observe that which feels desire. Where did it come from first? Where is it now? Where will it go at last? See whether or not there's a shape or a color and so on. When observed, it is primordially empty, just a fabrication of mind, and there's nothing there to grasp. Without abandoning desire, you don't have to get rid of it. It is discriminating wisdom. You see clearly. Then he goes on to, when you feel sleepy, drowsy, or dull, allow this dullness to arise. The moment it arises, observe its essence directly and look into the one who feels stupid. First, from where did he come? Where does he remain right now? And finally, to where does he disappear? Etc., etc. Without abandoning dullness, it is Dharma Datu wisdom, the sphere of the Dharma wisdom. Then he goes on, and this might have relevance contemplate your social class, your bloodline, your influence, your wealth, the beauty of your body and face, the melodious tone of your voice. Whatever virtues you have, such as learning, contemplation, or meditation, skill in calligraphy, text recitation, and knowledge of the sciences, as well as skill in religious ceremonies and in taming disciples, when thus reflecting, allow the pride, I am much better than others, to arise. This is where he's going for now. Okay, Think of something you say, I'm pretty cool. Allow pride to arise. The moment it arises, look directly at its essence. Observe that which is proud. Where did it come from first? Where is it now? Where will it go at last? Etc. Without abandoning pride, it is the wisdom of equality. Then contemplate the influence and wealth of others, which is greater than your own. Their virtues, knowledge, and higher number of followers, their knowledge of sciences, excellent chanting and melodious voices, as well as their other qualities, such as understandings of the teachings and eloquence in worldly speech. When thus reflecting, allow the envious thought of fearing others to be superior to oneself to arise, the comparing mind. And the moment arises, look directly at its essence. See how empty it is. When you realize in this way, the kleshas, the defilements, confusions of mind are wisdoms. Having abandoned realizing the kleshas, what a joke trying to find emptiness and wisdom elsewhere. What a shame that such a search will never find them. That is, once you've realized that these poisons are empty, it's not necessary to analyze anything. That's because you've already recognized them to be empty. You don't have to get rid of anything. You just see how empty it is. Ah, in that moment, you're free. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to take on some new teaching. 
You just have to stop believing that your thoughts are real. And what's left? The magic of awareness shining through. You, you are the Buddha, or whatever name you want to give it. Just life shining through. You don't have to fix anything. Just not believing in your thoughts. Uh, so, yes, Sinyan, here's, where's, where's the... Thank you for sharing this with us tonight, with me. Um, I feel like um, the, the beginning, how it says, um, how amazing, that's how everything that I take in. The mind is not my enemy. <laughs> I don't need to get rid of it. <laughs> yes. And, and everything that is from my mind or not is amazing. So all the pride is amazing. All the desire is amazing. And, and I think this is up an up amazing opportunity to look at it. I think that's how I see it, all this poem that you just read. And, but I... Grief. Um, yes, <laughs> a little insight into grief. I mean, I, I get you could look at it. Mm-hmm. But it's... Um, oh, yes. That's also another thing is that I guess understand pride or desire, it, there's a component that is um, projected onto others. That's why it feels like um, you, could, uh, you could think it's real. But grief is harder because if um, someone has passed, then you cannot project to, to that you know, person who passed, and it's in you. Mm-hmm. And how do you look at it and mm-hmm. make it empty? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so with all of this, this is not to say that you shouldn't honor all the feelings that come through. This is part of being human is anger and fear and um wanting and loss and um, pain. It's all part of life. This is kind of like what I was saying. On Saturday, we're doing the magic of, an, of awareness, and on Sunday, we're talking about climate change. You know, that that's part of life. And so it's not to pretend that you don't have those feelings or think, oh, why am I getting so, so lost in it? No, you have to honor it fully. You have to honor your pain and your loss and all of it fully because that's part of being human. There's a, a famous exchange. Uh, one of the great um, Tibetan masters, Marpa, Marpa the translator, he was Naropa's teacher. And uh, his, he was a lay person and his son died. And he was uh, out in the fields weeping and one of his, his students said, uh, Marpa, Master, you teach us that everything is illusion. 
um, why are you crying? And he said, yes, everything is illusion and the, the death of your child is the saddest of all illusions. And so I cry. It's not to stop being human, but on the one hand, as you feel everything fully, there's another perspective that says, and this is the movie of James right now, or Sinyun right now, and it's the only show in town, and you take it for, you, you live it fully, but you see this is just the play of life happening, unfolding as it does. And so you weep fully, you feel your loss, you feel what it's like to, uh, it connects you with everybody in the world, that, com- uh, that feeling of compassion. And you see that the mind, um, there's another way to hold it too, a larger way to hold it. This is the pain that I'm going through right now, and this is what my this is the mind that is. Um, there's an awareness that can hold this too, or a heart. Sometimes it's said uh, there is a heart as wide as the world that can hold it all. So there's both the relative that you honor and the bigger picture, the ultimate, which is it's just mind creating reality. So um, we don't have time to do the big mind meditation. Anybody coming on Saturday, uh, on Saturday to to Spirit Rock? Planning. Okay, maybe I'll do, uh, because I'm going to do it on on Saturday, but I'll, maybe I'll do it in the next uh, few weeks. Big, the big mind meditation where you just see it's everything is arising in the space of awareness. Um, and when you, when you do that, you, there's more of this sense of playing at your life. It's not that you still take your life, it's the only show in town, but you can play from a much wider perspective when you see the mind is just creating reality all the time. And with that, you also honor everybody else's sorrow and joy around you. And it it connects you with it all. But when you're coming from that place of freedom, you become an agent of healing for others because you can feel their pain and hold it, hold the space with great centeredness and compassion and presence, and uh, that becomes a gift to everybody else. So let's, let's close with a, a short loving kindness. And uh, don't try to Hold on to any of the words now. You can just let them all go and simply know that you're alive. That's a pretty amazing fact. Here it is. Life has come together in this body and mind called you. Just rest in that.
Just uh, let yourself be amazed by the awareness that shines through. Emma Ho. And maybe uh, wish this expression of life well. May I see through the fabrications of mind and realize my true nature. Perfect. Awake. May I share all the goodness in my love that's inside. May I share it well. And may our coming here together have a rippling effect to bring a bit more goodness into the world and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all know the highest happiness and peace. Thank you for hanging in there, even if it might have seemed a bit uh, of a stretch. Uh, Nice to share the evening with you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org dot org slash donate.